0: Sport continuously provides its audience with powerfully emotional, healing, and influential moments. And nearly always, these moments are remembered alongside the calls from the broadcasters, lucky enough to be behind the microphone the minute the amazing happens. But what makes them unforgettable stretches far beyond the 30 second clip in which it's captured. This is Golden Tones, a podcast. I know it's not yet time for postseason football, but winter is only about a month away, and as temperatures drop, I can't help but think of the NFL playoffs. To help satisfy my hunger for the postseason, I decided to jump back nearly three years ago. New Orleans Saints fans,
1: I apologize in advance. Roll the tape. 10 seconds to go, 24-23 Saints. Vikings at their own 39, it's third down. Three receivers right, field, and left. Marshawn Lattimore, 12 yards from Adam. Case on a deep drop, Steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side. Caught by Diggs. Stay oh, he got loose. oh my God! The no K. Oh my God! 30. Touchdown! Are you it's kidding like a me? Miracle it's a Minneapolis no miracle. Way. Stephon Diggs and the Minnesota oh Vikings God. have lost up on the New Orleans Saints. It's a 61-yard Minneapolis miracle.
0: Those voices are Paul Allen and Pete Bursich, the Minnesota Vikings radio team, and that's how the final play of the NFC Divisional Playoff game between the Vikings and Saints sounded on Minneapolis's KFAN Sports Radio on January 14, 2018. The call is clearly full of emotion, passion, and disbelief, but we need to first take a trip back through Vikings history to fully understand the significance of this moment and the call. The Minnesota Vikings, by most accounts, are a successful NFL franchise. The team ranks 6th all-time in win percentage and 7th overall in combined regular season and postseason wins. They've won 20 division championships and have appeared in the playoffs 30 different times. That's the 5th most appearances all-time. The Dallas Cowboys, Green Bay Packers, New York Giants, and Pittsburgh Steelers are the only NFL franchises with more postseason appearances than Minnesota. Those four teams have all at least won four Super Bowl titles and all four rank in the top six in Super Bowls one. And then we have the Vikings. Despite playing in 10 conference championship games and winning four times to advance to the Super Bowl, Minnesota is one of 12 current franchises to have never won at all. Along with the Vikings, the Bills also have four Super Bowl appearances but no wins, the most in the NFL. But of the 12 teams that have not won a Super Bowl, four have never made an appearance and three more have only each made the big game once. I'm not sure if that's better or worse than more appearances and also more losses, but at least it's less heartbreak on a national stage. Additionally, the Vikings, whose four Super Bowl appearances came during an eight-year span from the 1969 to the 1976 seasons, hold two impressive feats, first being the first team to appear in four Super Bowls, and second being the first team to lose four Super Bowls. Despite not having appeared in the Super Bowl since the 1976 season, a drought of 43 years, which, by the way, is the fourth longest current drought, Minnesota is, in fact, one of only three teams to appear in at least one conference title game every decade since the 1970s. The other two teams are the Steelers and the Los Angeles Rams, who have seven combined Super Bowl championships, six of which, of course, belong to the Steelers. So the Vikings have, time and time again, teased their fans consistently with quality players, teams, and seasons, only to fall short of the ultimate goal. And oftentimes, the losses have been gut-wrenching. Vikings fans, for your own good, you might want to skip ahead just a few minutes. In 1975, the 12-2 Vikings hosted the 10-4 Dallas Cowboys in the divisional round. With Minnesota leading 14-10 in the final seconds of the game, Cowboys quarterback Roger Staubach found wide receiver Drew Pearson for a game-winning 50-yard touchdown pass. Pearson probably should have been called for offensive pass interference as he seemed to push a Vikings defensive back before making the catch, but no flag. In the aftermath of the call, Minnesota fans were so angry that reportedly a referee was knocked unconscious by a bottle of whiskey thrown from the stands. Later asked about the play, Staubach said, I closed my eyes and said a Hail Mary. Thus, the football term Hail Mary was born. How about in January of 1999 when the 15 1 Vikings met the Atlanta Falcons in the NFC Championship game? Leading by seven points late in the fourth quarter, Minnesota kicker Gary Anderson missed a 37-yard field goal. A 10-point lead would have likely been insurmountable, but after the miss, the Falcons scored the game-tying touchdown with less than a minute left in regulation. Then, in overtime, the Vikings lost the coin toss and didn't even get a chance to possess the football. Atlanta advanced to the Super Bowl with a 38-yard field goal, only to lose to John Elway and the Denver Broncos. Two years later, in January of 2001, the Vikings again were one win away from the Super Bowl. Relying on a potent offense which featured legendary names such as Dante Culpepper, Randy Moss, and Chris Carter, the Vikings visited the New York Giants, only to be dominated 41-0 by Kerry Collins' five touchdown passes. The Giants, of course, would lose 34-7 to the Baltimore Ravens in the Super Bowl. Maybe you haven't yet got the picture. Again, in 2010, the Vikings were on the doorstep of their fifth Super Bowl appearance. On the road in New Orleans, Brett Favre and Minnesota had the Saints on the ropes. Tied at 28 with about 19 seconds left in regulation, the Vikings had the ball at the New Orleans 33. Then Minnesota was flagged for 12 men in the huddle. On the next play from the 38-yard line, Vikings fans were hoping to gain a few yards to make a potential game-winning field goal a bit easier. Instead, Favre rolled to the right, threw back across his body towards the middle of the field. Tracy Porter intercepted the pass, and the game went to overtime. The Saints won the coin toss, and after a 40-yard kick return, a 4th-and-1 conversion, and a tough defensive pass interference call, New Orleans ended Minnesota's season with a field goal. And the Saints went on to beat the Indianapolis Colts in the Super Bowl. To make matters worse, this Saints team would later be known as the Bounty Gate Team after an investigation showed that New Orleans paid out bonuses or bounties for injuring opposing team players. Favre was reportedly a target of the Saints' bounty system. And in the 2015 wildcard round, the Vikings hosted the Seattle Seahawks. Trailing 10-9 with 26 seconds left, the Minnesota offense worked the ball to the Seattle 10-yard line, setting up a 27-yard field goal to push the Vikings to the divisional round of the playoffs. Blair Walsh, who was 3-for-3 earlier in the game, pushed the kick left. Seattle won, and Minnesota's season was over. That's just some of the Vikings' postseason heartbreak. So when the 2017 version of the Vikings entered the playoffs, despite being the number two seed in the NFC, and despite boasting the league's best defense, you could understand why Minnesota fans were wary of getting too optimistic. Then the Vikings built a 17-0 first half lead at home in the divisional round against the New Orleans Saints. At the time, New Orleans had not failed to score in the first half of a game in over three years. But it's the Vikings. It couldn't be that easy, right? Right. The Saints stormed back in the second half and, aided by a Case Keenum interception and a blocked punt, eventually led 24-23 with 25 seconds left. After a touchback and a false start, Keenum completed a pass to Stephon Diggs to the Minnesota 39-yard line. After two straight incompletions, the Vikings faced a third and ten with 10 seconds left in regulation. There's no way they could pull this off, right? This is the Vikings we're talking about. They're normally on the opposite end of moments like this. Well, on January 14th, 2018,
1: it was finally the Vikings' turn. 10 seconds to go. 24 23 Saints. Vikings at their own 39. It's third down. Three receivers right, field, and left. Marshawn Lattimore, 12 yards from Adam. Case on a deep drop. Steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side. Caught by Diggs. Stay oh, got loose. oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's the 30. No. K. Touchdown. No. Are you kidding like a me? Finish. It's a Minneapolis miracle. Win. Stephon Diggs! And the Minnesota Vikings have lost up on the New Orleans Saints! It's a 61 yard Minneapolis miracle!
0: The beginning of this call opens with a somewhat somber Paul Allen, who almost sounds resigned to the fact that Minnesota is going to lose another heartbreaking playoff game. Allen hasn't been behind the microphone for all of the Vikings' painful postseason experiences, but now in his 19th year as the voice of the Vikes, he's seen his fair share and obviously knows the history of the franchise he represents. And as this call begins, again, just after Minnesota blew a 17-0 lead, Allen sounds like the thousands of fans in the stands, frustrated, but perhaps not surprised by what is seen on the field. Listen again to the tone of Allen's voice. Even without paying attention to the meaning of Allen's words, it's clear that the Vikings are in trouble and that there's little hope of success. Ten seconds to go. 24-23 Saints. Vikings at their own 39. It's third down. I don't imagine that Allen's tone here is purposeful. He's the Vikings radio broadcaster and is clearly frustrated the team he works for may not advance to the NFC Championship game. But, purposeful or not, his tone does help describe the situation. It's as if every sentence clause in this portion of the call is a gut punch to all Vikings fans. 10 seconds to go. Ugh. 24-23 Saints. Well, I guess it's our last chance. Vikings at their own 39. So we have a long way to go. Great. And then, of course, it's third down, which serves as the knockout blow that puts Minnesota out of its collective misery. Allen's words would get this message across alone, but his subdued tone reinforces the trouble the Vikings find themselves in. But it's also important to note that Allen, despite his clear disappointment, is checking off every box a football broadcaster needs to before a play. He's given the audience the time, score, yard line, and down. He left out the distance, but given the fact that there are only 10 seconds left and the Vikings are well out of field goal range at the moment, the sticks are not that important. Allen isn't quite hiding his frustration, but he's not forgetting his responsibilities as the play-by-play broadcaster. It seems like at this moment, he might have thought to himself something along the lines of, okay, strap in for just one more play, it'll all be over after this. But Allen went a step further and set the stage for the incoming play, which everyone in the building knew would be a pass. Three receivers right, field, and left. Marshawn Lattimore, 12 yards from Adam. Now the radio audience knows nearly everything the television audience does. Time, score, yard line, and offensive formation. And as I listen, I can't help but feel that Allen's tone turns just a bit during this portion of the call. As he describes the Vikings' offensive set, it's as if he talks himself into the idea that a positive play could happen. After all, Minnesota has three capable receivers to the right, including the soon-to-be hero Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen to the left, although he's being checked by the Saints' Marshawn Lattimore, maybe a signal that the Vikings will look to attack the right side of the New Orleans defense. That, of course, would prove to be true, as we will hear in a moment. But the point here is that Allen, despite the situation and the overwhelming mountain of evidence suggesting this January day would end like so many others have in Vikings history, is still on top of his game. Maybe you're not too impressed by a broadcaster continuing to do his job until the final whistle. And that's fair. It does sound fairly simple, but I'd argue that there are many examples of broadcasters, just like players and coaches, that check out late in games when nearly all hope is dashed. I think it's important to note that Allen stuck it out and because of that, he was ready for the play. Case on a deep drop, steps up in the pocket,
1: he'll fire to the right side, caught by Diggs!
0: Now in this part of the call, it's important to understand that the Vikings had no intentions of scoring a touchdown. From their own 39-yard line, they were just hoping for 20 or 25 yards to put them within makeable field goal range. Down by just one point, a field goal would win the game. That meant, though, that the Vikings, without a timeout and with just 10 seconds left, needed a relatively deep throw to the sidelines. So, as Keenum fires down the right sideline, everything is going as expected. Allen, although his tone has shifted significantly from when the call started, is likely not caught off guard by the throw to Diggs. It's also worth noting that Allen is still hitting all key parts of the play. He tells the audience that the quarterback, Keenum, is on a deep drop, meaning the play is a bit longer developing. He also says that the throw goes towards the right sideline, which again is unsurprising. It's at this moment, though, that Allen sees that a win is realistically possible. His voice peaks when he bellows side at the same time that Diggs leaves his feet to attempt to make the catch. Allen also sees the Saints' Marcus Williams approaching Diggs from behind. He likely doesn't yet think or know that Williams will whiff on the tackle, but at the least, Allen knows Diggs has a fighting chance to catch the pass, survive a hit, and get out of bounds to set up a potential game-winning field goal from approximately 50 yards out. But then Allen's voice peaks again. First, he tells the audience that Diggs made the catch. And then Williams not only misses the tackle, but ends up taking out one of his own teammates, something Allen clearly became aware of when he screams, Diggs! Listen back to this section and notice Allen's emphasis on side and Diggs. It's almost as if when he says side, he's thinking to himself, "Okay, that's 25 yards, well done, now just get out of bounds. And then, as the play progresses and he says digs, he's suddenly aware that the Vikings have a shot at a whole lot more than a field goal. The way Allen employs tone and emphasis, in this part of the highlight in particular, also creates a bit of rhythm or pattern. It's similar to the discussion of Tom Cheek's call of Joe Carter's World Series winning home run in episode 2. Again, here's Allen. Case on a deep drop, steps up in the pocket, he'll fire
1: to the right side, caught by Diggs!
0: And then, as expected, all hell breaks loose. After Williams misses the tackle and Diggs races towards a wide open end zone, both Allen and Bursic experience a sort of cathartic release. Stay oh, on got The voice you hear first in this segment is Bursich's. He screams, stay in bounds, oh my god, no way, which overlaps with Allen who says, he got loose at the 30, 10, touchdown. Let's discuss Bursich first. Generally, color commentators are taught to take a backseat during plays and in big moments like this. It's mostly to avoid broadcasters talking over one another, which is distracting and can make the broadcast hard to follow. The play-by-play broadcaster is in charge of setting the scene and describing the live action, while the color commentator adds analysis and fills in the blanks the play-by-play broadcaster can't get to. But there are, of course, exceptions to this rule. If you listen to or watch enough sporting events, you likely won't have an issue finding examples of both broadcasters speaking at the same time or perhaps even screaming over each other during a highlight. Some exceptions have stronger cases than others, and this case is about as strong as it gets. First of all, Bursic isn't screaming just to scream, or at least it doesn't start that way. The first words we hear from Bursic during this call are, Stay in bounds. This is valuable because, as we discussed earlier, everyone in the building knows the Vikings are aiming to stop the clock by getting out of bounds. Bursich, though, in a split second, comprehends Williams' missed tackle and tells the audience that Minnesota's plan has now changed. They're no longer going for the field goal. They have their sights set on the end zone. The listeners likely would have picked up on that with what Allen said next, but I think it's important to make the distinction that Bursich is still providing the audience with valuable information. Meanwhile, Allen still needs to call the action. As Diggs is running free, Allen says he got loose. Vikings fans know that one of Allen's catchphrases is, "Annie's loose, which he's used for a number of long touchdowns, including Adrian Peterson runs and, more recently, Dalvin Cook heroics. It seems that Allen wants to use his catchphrase here, which he does, sort of. He says that Diggs got loose, which, while it gets the same point across, isn't exactly his he's loose catchphrase. I don't think it's too wild to think that Allen is so caught off guard by what he's seeing that he's not quite able to fully gather his thoughts. The call doesn't suffer as a result, though, and in fact, it's his surprise that makes it so enjoyable to listen to. Allen also gives the listeners a few important check marks. Remember, this play began at the Minnesota 39-yard line. After Diggs gets loose, Allen says he's at the 30, the 10, and then, of course, in the end zone. A lot of times, play-by-play broadcasters will give updates in five-yard increments on long touchdowns. For example, he's at the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. I personally am not a fan of that. First of all, because I don't think it's possible to talk quickly and clearly enough to give accurate updates on a sprinting player's position every 5 yards. These are professional athletes, after all, who can cover 40 yards in less than 5 seconds. I can't talk that fast. Secondly, giving 5-yard updates takes away from other information. Is this reeking player being chased down from behind? Did he cut to the left or right? Is he high-kneeing or celebrating on his way into the end zone? I think there's more valuable information to get to than every 5-yard update. That isn't to say that status updates on a player's race to the end zone isn't important. It's still perhaps the most important aspect of a long touchdown call. But Allen finds a nice, happy medium. He tells the listeners that Diggs is at the 30-yard line, then the 10, and then the end zone. He doesn't use his save time to add anything else, but it does allow for Bursich to continue to chime in, which at this point is stunned screaming. Are you
1: kidding me? It's a Minneapolis miracle! Play!
0: This play, because of Allen's call, is known as the Minneapolis miracle. Allen's ability to quickly give the moment a catchy and accurate title is impressive and it's part of what makes this call so fun. Most of the calls we've discussed so far have an apt tagline, but this one might take the cake. However, Bursich deserves some credit here. It's actually his voice we hear scream, what a miracle finish, before Allen circles back twice and officially dubs this franchise-defining moment as the Minneapolis Miracle. I'm not trying to take away from Allen at all because he still put it all together, but perhaps Bursich's mention of Miracle helped Allen put the perfect bow on top of Diggs' touchdown. Allen, though, again, doesn't let his astonishment take away from his duties as the play-by-play broadcaster. As he and Bursich are screaming and perhaps high-fiving or hugging or celebrating in some fashion in the booth, Allen is able to contextualize the moment and tell the listeners that time has run out.
1: Step on Diggs and the Minnesota oh, Vikings have lost off on the New Orleans Saints. It's a 61-yard Minneapolis miracle.
0: Allen says that the Vikings have walked off on the Saints, signaling that time expired on Diggs' mad dash for six. In fact, this game was the first in the NFL's postseason history to end with a touchdown as the clock ran out, although the Vikings have been close multiple times on the other end. Maybe my favorite part of the call, though, is the last word, more specifically, the last syllable. Listen again to how Allen's voice, tone, and emphasis change as he finishes saying the word miracle.
1: It's a 61-yard Minneapolis miracle!
0: Allen's pitch drops during the end of the word, and I think it says a lot. First of all, physical. Allen has just been screaming at the top of his lungs for about 25 seconds. As a professional play-by-play broadcaster, Allen has a lot of voice, but everyone has a limit. I think Allen might have just brushed up on his at that moment. But there's also so much emotion in that pitch drop. I feel like I can hear years of postseason misery escape in that one syllable. It's as if Allen and Viking fans in general are exhaling, releasing one giant sigh of relief, hoping that finally they've exercised their playoff heartbreak demons. Minnesota was unable to turn this win into their first Super Bowl, and in fact, they were dominated by the Eagles in the next round. That doesn't change the beauty of this call though. Here's Paul Allen and Pete Bursich one more time.
1: 10 seconds to go, 24-23 Saints. Vikings at their own 39, it's third down. Three receivers right, feel and left. Marshawn Lattimore, 12 yards from Adam. Case on a deep drop. Steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side. Caught by Diggs. Stay in the
0: new episodes of Golden Tones drop each Tuesday. Do you have a call or highlight you think I should feature in a future episode? Let me know on Twitter at Golden Tones Pod. You can also visit anchor.fm backslash Golden Tones.